Um, so you've probably noticed that uh, Sid is not here this morning, and Brian is also not here this morning. They are taking vacations, and uh, so I think uh, Sid and his family have gone to kind of celebrate Caleb's uh, senior trip. Uh, they're doing their thing, and I don't know where Brian is. Um, probably jail, you know, or something like that. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, we're live in the service. I forgot. <laughs> hey, Brian. Um, no, uh, so they left the service to, uh, to Allison and I, and uh, man, we went out and found the most expensive speaker that we could possibly get while Sid wasn't here to say no, and um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, a lot of you know who Dave Johnson is. Dave's coming to speak today uh, in his place, but I just want to take a moment for those of us who are new uh, that don't know Dave. Uh, Dave is, has been a real sweet friend to Leslie and I since we have been here. Uh, we have had dinner in his home. Uh, he and I got to go to lunch uh, at Mission Barbecue where I got uh, brisket and he got pastrami, which was weird. Um, but uh, no, uh, it does look pretty good though, just to be honest. Um, but anyway, Dave has been a, he's a former pastor. He's, he's been on the mission field. Um, he loves God's word. He loves to memorize God's word. Um, I think he's up to close to a thousand. Is that right? Close to a thousand verses memorized. My hero. Um, but anyway, those of you who know Dave, you love him. Those of you who don't know him, after today's sermon, you're going to love him. Okay, would y'all welcome Dave to our stage this morning? Well, good morning. How many of y'all, um, you got up this morning, you forgot it was that uh, daylight savings time? <laughs> I did too. Which isn't good when you're preaching two times in the morning and one starts at nine. And uh, I took off this morning just so excited, you know, happy I was getting up a little bit early. Not, I, I gave myself a little time and then I just decided to go on an extended walk. Uh, and by the time I got home... <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I couldn't understand why my, my watch said one thing and all the rest of the clock said something else. And nevertheless, um, you might get the best half of the message that there was, you know, because uh, I came uh, real quick, uh, hair still wet and everything at 9 o'clock. But nevertheless, I'm here and you're here, and it was easy for you to get here than it was at 9. But uh, uh, nevertheless, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Brian, for the lofty introduction. Uh, again, you, you didn't say that I'm a funeral director now. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm here for you. <laughs> Pulled that one up from the depths, didn't we? Okay, there's all kinds of funeral director jokes, but we just go on and on. Such intense singing this morning. Very intentional, wasn't it? Very good. Very good. Last week we started a sermon series through this month and it was on this whole idea of abiding and uh, where Jesus is giving intimate instructions to his disciples. And, and you need to understand that at this point in Jesus' life, chapter 15, which is where we'll end up today eventually, you need to understand at this point in the Gospel of John, it's bigger than just a, cha a isolated chapter in the middle, but it is a piece, okay? So really, I'm talking all the way from 13 to 19 today. Uh, we'll be here a while. No, not really. Uh, we're only going to be looking at just a tiny piece of it, actually. But the reality is, is all the way back in chapter 13 and verse 1, this whole process was beginning as Jesus is, uh, gives us, John gives us a hint to where Jesus is at, at this time. And it starts in chapter 13 and verse 1, and it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus, say it, knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world. He knew what was going on. He knew that cross time was happening. This was crunch time. Have you ever been there before where, you know, all of a sudden uh, life is what it is and we've got to do something right now? It's crunch time. This was serious time for Jesus as he began to see, if you will, that his earthly hours were limited 
And so he starts this process in chapter 13 with a group of disciples that are needing further intimate instructions in the last hours of his days because chapters 13 through 17, he just engages them in intentional principle after principle after principle. Uh, Serious stuff, intentional things. Guys, I want you to get this. And then in chapter 18 and 19, he goes to the cross. Boom. So this whole thing is a package, if you will. We're plopping ourselves right down in the center of it, chapter 15, into this intentional pool that he is doing. And in this chapter 15, the entire chapter is is dedicated to the imperishable, ever-growing principle of abiding. Abiding. Church word, isn't it? Abide. I don't use the word abide very often, do you? Um, You know, I I really can't remember the last time I just hugged my my love and said, Susan, wouldst thou abide with me today? I I just don't do that, do you? You know, uh, know, I eat pastrami. I guess that makes me weird, but I don't say abide, Brian. You know, know, those are just maybe one of those things. But, uh, you know, so we would sometimes call it a church word, uh, but I don't want to call it a church word. Will you go with me here for just a second? It's not a church word. Church words kind of give you the idea that they're, they're Christianese or whatever, things that nobody else understands, but in the religious word we use them and uh, so on. It's not a church word. Catch this. It's a Jesus word. It's, and to me, the difference between the two is it's not just to be left in religion alone, but it's to be placed in life itself. And that's what Jesus was doing in this process, chapters 13 through 17, was in putting in those who would follow him, his disciples, what are we going to do in the days to come? We did just sing an amazing song, and oh, do I look forward and say, even so come, Lord Jesus. And yes, those days will be great, Amen. But this time is also very significant. Amen? Or oh my. You know, sometimes, like a bridegroom waiting for her groom, how many of you went to the altar, you who are married here today, and said, I take thee, get out of here. I want to get away from the problems. Let's just get married. You know, do we, do we look at Jesus that way and, and just simply say, I want to get out? You know, it's, it's not so come, Lord Jesus, so that I can be with you, but it's so, even so come, Lord Jesus, so I can get out of here. No. Today is significant as well, and Christ wanted to make that ever so clear to those who would be his disciples. And so the entire chapter is devoted to abiding, abiding, abiding. And if you look in verse 4 of chapter 15, it says there that abide in me and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Abide in me. It's not, if you notice, like I said with Susan, don't abide with me, but abide in me. Abide in me. The same way a branch abides in the vine. Have anybody ever heard of a tree? We know what trees are. And the whole message is about trees. So if you know about trees, you can leave. You know, if you want, because the, the idea is to understand what a tree is. It's an abiding plant. Uh, this process that we're looking at here is, is uh, the branches don't produce fruit. They are just the conduit that sends up that life-giving sap or whatever you want to call it, the essence, the source from the roots itself comes up. The branches just simply provide the conduit that finally on the outside, fruit. Uniquely, the fruit often becomes another branch, which can give more fruit and bear more fruit and bear more fruit. Abide, abide. We don't make fruit. This is really the, what, what I would consider one of the most significant disciple models. What do I, how do I follow Jesus? It's not just a feeling that you never felt before. It's a abide. Abide in him. Let him be your life and your breath. Spend time with him. Know him. Pray. 
You're a vessel in which the life of God flows. God's not our guru. He's not our rabbi that we just kind of read and then, okay, I want to be like that. Uh, Let me just do that. Well, sometimes I will and sometimes I won't. No, he is our source. If you notice the next verse, it says, apart from me, you can do zippo. That means nothing in the Greek. Not really. You can do nothing. I would rather people say, after living a life, hopefully, that pleases God, I hope you would too. I would rather have people say, not, would you look at that guy? What a guy! Or, what an amazing woman. She's such a godly... You know, you take Allison up here. Doesn't she just bubble? Goodness me. And you look at her and you say, what amazing godly lady that we have on staff here and I'm so thankful for her. And there's nothing wrong with saying those things, but I know that Allison, I know that I would both would rather people say, when we have lived, and I'm guessing you would too, I'm hoping you would, to say, no, not what a wonderful person, but what a wonderful God is in them and I'd sure like to know who he is. Amen? I would really love for that to happen. What is it that makes you do what you do? I had a chance to live in the Middle East for a number of years, and one of the things that happened is we did extravagant things over there, natural things, just simply going to somebody's house and cleaning their toilet. That's extravagant, believe me. And they would say to us, they would ask questions all the time, why do you do this? Boy, what a, what a wonderful question. And we said, well, because we're really, really nice people. No, because we have an amazing God, you know, and and the life and breath just goes through, cleaning the toilet even if we had to. What a great, great gift has been given to us because when people start saying, what kind of God do they serve? All of a sudden, if you'll just go, (laughs) what that smell is is not the toilet. I I didn't realize how much of a pun this could be. (laughs) I just got that. Scratch that from the, uh, the video if you can. But, but, but uh, you know, th- this whole idea of blossoms popping. You know, this morning on my walk, I walked by orange groves and they're still out there, you know. Oh, I love that smell. And that's what the believer smells like that abides. Not like orange, but nevertheless like God. They smell like God. And fruit begins to grow. I give you that lengthy illustration, really, and an introduction now, now to go to our text in John chapter 15, which really my assignment is to say, what does the disciple look like in branch-to-branch branch abiding? The text is simple. It, it just is found in chapter uh, 15, verse 12, primarily, that, that just says, this is my commandment that you loved one another as I have loved you. Love is kind of become a generic term. We'll talk about it a little bit more here in just a second. But what I would like to do is instead of using this term love, I'd like to go at least to start with and saying what we really need if we're talking about living in the life and breath of Jesus is to have a real relationship action going on in our lives. I don't know about you, but I, I see a whole lot of surface love going on. Yeah? How much pulls back in, whereby then when it comes out intentionally, it's designed to be God and not us. I want to challenge you to that because that's what abiding is all about. It's really quite simple. We walk through just the mechanics of what it looks like to live branch to branch. Because Jesus hasn't changed the abiding mindset here in this passage at all. He's going to go right through it. So if you're believing in Jesus today, you are part of a great plant. A great plant. He is the vine and you are the branches. It's this great interconnected garden that has gone on through the ages. And, and how are we going to keep that going? How are we going to keep the abiding process continuing well, one of the ways, a significant part 
of abiding is this love. Walk with me with it. What does it look like? Well, first, it's not optional. Look at the text, chapter 15 and verse 12. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The book end, verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Two verses, almost the same. First thing I see in these verses is that it says, this is my commandment. These are my commandments. This is a present tense reality. This is something we need to talk about. It's not something optional that we can put off. We've got to deal with it today. Again, recall the last hours that uh, this process, chapter 13, and even a little bit beforehand was happening. The disciples, together with Jesus, in the background, they got caught up with jealousy, wrangling. I, guys, I'm better than you. Oh, no, no, I'm better than you. Uh, no, and, and they were just like these birds on a wire. You know, you see birds that are, are vying for the place on the wire. You know, there they were, just in the background, just constantly ripping it on them at one another. And uh, all of this is going on. Jesus turns around. Jesus, Jesus, who is he? He's God. He's the Savior. Puts a towel around him. Basin of water. Takes off sandals. This is Jesus, folks. Are you with me? The Savior is washing the feet of the disciples. He says, you need to do this. It's all this great stuff, you know, uh, stop. This is my commandment. This is something you need to think about. You know, and then a little bit later on in the passage, one of the star disciples. Remember, these are the guys that we line them all up. The 12 disciples. Here they are, the 12 disciples. And, and wow, you know, and they all have these big sashes on them. And, and this is kind of the way we see them, isn't it? I mean, these are the disciples, you know, and they, and they were amazing. We're thankful for them. But the reality is how often we see them this way, and yet they were just like you and me. And there they were. One of them steps forward and he says, I'll never deny you. I'm going to die for you. I don't know about these rest of these jokers, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Who was that, Peter. And Jesus had to say, Pete, sorry to tell you, but buddy, before the rooster says, cock-a-doodle-doo. And just so you know, I'm really smart. Kids, listen up. This is something you really need to understand. Cock-a-doodle-doo is in English. If you take it in the Hebrew, it's kukariku. Okay? Which is really true, which is really kind of neat because I went ahead and, and, and continued on in this major important thing. This is sort of an aside. It's just for your gift of, of being able to impress people. If you speak it, uh, the rooster in Germany, he says kikariki. Isn't that correct? Something like that? Kikariki? He doesn't say cockadoodle-doo. If you're from China, you say woo-woo-woo. <laughs> I'm serious. I looked that up, and it's true because Google said so. Uh, uh, but but I, I actually lived in the Middle East, and in the Hebrew it is kukariku, not cockadoodle-doo. But anyway, that's what Jesus told, told Peter. He said, before the cock says kukariku, you're going to deny me. Well, that's nonsense, but nevertheless, now you can impress people when you go out. The point being that I'm trying to look at here is need after need after need. Here's the disciples squabbling about who's greater. Here's the disciples saying, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to take care of this. I'm tough. I'm everything. And you see God the Father at this particular point. Can you see him overseeing the whole activity? And if he takes the parenting skills of today, you see him say, okay, all you guys, one, two, three. You know, he's getting ready to spank him. No, Jesus just simply says, listen, hear me out. This is my commandment. Stop everything and listen. This is my commandment. Folks, commandments aren't suggestions. Commandments are not situational. They're not based on, well, if 
if and then so I need to command, you know, I need to obey this command. Commandments are not cultural. Some people would just simply say, well, we don't do that around here. Well, guess what? When you have a commandment, you do it. And the whole thing is, is that this is my commandment that we love one another, that we abide. Healthy branches abide. It's natural. There's no decisions. I have a laurel oak in my front yard. She's beautiful. Great big, great big tree. Uh, and uh, I, she gives us shade in the summertime. She's a pretty girl. And I, as I think of her, you know, I, I, she's big on the, on the bottom. She's big <laughs> And, and, and uh, she, <laughs> I'm really getting myself in trouble here the way I'm talking, but nevertheless, she's big on the bottom. And here she goes up and she's got these big, muscular first branches that go out and hold the rest of the tree up. And then they go to the more, the firm, and, and then they move on up into smaller and smaller, all the way to the twigs, and then the fruit. The fruit of a laurel oak is a leaf. We're quite, quite uh, familiar in Central Florida with the fruit of an oak right now, aren't we? We love them, don't we? Well, so anyway, I, I, I went to Laurel, I, I call her Laurel, and I, I was talking to her. Uh, by the way, she didn't talk back, <laughs> the neighbors did, but uh, uh, I, I'm saying, Laurel, if you wouldn't mind this year, I just love it when you put out your leaves, which she's doing right now. Could you just put the dead ones in the cans over here? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Well, it doesn't work that way, but nevertheless, let's put all that aside and realize what she's doing. Uh, none of that tree is making a choice. They're just simply what? Doing it. The, the nutrients of the root are, are moving up through that big trunk and into those bicep branches and into the more firms and into the branches, right up and on up, and they're pushing the old off and putting the new on. It's fruit, which next year will be another branch, which will push another leaf, leaves, over and over again. And I love my tree. But my tree is really one of those things that just really illustrates this ever so well. It's not a suggestion. It's not a decision. And where do you find yourself on the oak tree of Jesus? Do you feel like you're one of the big ones? Do you feel like you're maybe, probably most of us would say, well, I'm just a twig. But twigs give out fruit. They give out leaves. They produce the fruit only because they got it where? From the bottom, and it just works its way up, and here we are. It's not, a, it's not optional. Folks, abiding is not optional. Christian, it's not optional. It's what we do. And to deny it is to disease the tree. Secondly, it's not optional, but it's also not abstract. And this is where it's kind of fun to me. I hope it is to you. But, you know, love is a great English word. I, I read this week a quote that says, One of the tragedies of American life is that love is being defined by those who have, have experienced so little of it. <laughs> love is being defined by those who have experienced so little of it. Because you know as well as I do that the definition of love bounces all over the place. One of our favorite pastimes as far as love goes is romance. I love you. I go back a few years. I was playing soccer for our college. We were down in Clearwater, Florida. It was a beautiful day. We... It was a high-scoring game. Uh, we lost 15 to nothing. <laughs> I was the captain of the team, so that explains a little bit of my skills. But I, I was as handsome as I am now. Pretty nice. But um, th there I was, and I met my wife that day. She actually was one week late to college. She was a new student. 
Uh, so she came in on an airplane. Her father had had surgery the week before, so she had to stay home. She came in finally that week, and I heard she was coming. Someone had told me about this girl and that I needed to meet. Uh, so I didn't know she was coming right then, but nevertheless, there I was. And then I looked across the field, and there she was in painter pants. How many of y'all have ever had painter pants? We got a few. It, how many don't know what I'm talking about? It's because you weren't my age in the 80s, 70s and 80s, okay? That's why. Because uh, we wore these white pants, you know, and they always had to have the little uh, loop on them where you put the, the paintbrush. Well, you didn't wear a paintbrush. These were painter pants, but they were cool, okay? And there she came, and she was walking down the sideline of the field. Well, she really wasn't walking. She was kind of just gliding above the ground. <laughs> and she had this blue and white plaid shirt on that was, this was a Bible college, so it was buttoned up, you know, but, but the, the point, and her her. Her blonde hair gleamed in the clear water sun. And, and I, I'm, I'm looking. And all of a sudden, I hear bells chiming in the background. They're serious. I'm serious. And, 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 and I'm just astounded by this, this girl that's just hovering over. And she comes a little closer. And she comes closer. I'm serious. This happened. All of a sudden, this invisible orchestra begins to play. And you, I, I heard the violins distinctly, you know. You know, and there I was. I was hovering, and, and we were hovering, and, and our hovering brought us together, and I said, I'm Dave, and she said, I'm Susan. And that's how it all started. That's a fact check. Yeah. Yeah. You, just, you just wait. You're laughing at me, but it's true. All of a sudden, you're going to hear these violins. <laughs> that's love, man. That's true love. You know it. Well, <laughs> sometimes our, our violins kind of got a little, you know, but nevertheless, we still are together, and I love her with all my heart. This one's for Pastor Sid. He's away. He decided I was preaching, so he was out of here. Well, this isn't really for you, Sid, but, you know, forgive me. Oh, I love you with all my belly. I would say heart, but my belly is bigger. <laughs> You'll get it after a while, but you know. Uh, you know, how many of you have ever said in the same sentence, honey, I love you, and I love hamburgers? Boy, that's, that's a relationship. Mm. Wow. It's good stuff. Anyway, that's, that's a lot of the definition of love today. This is my commandment that you love one another just like you love hamburgers. Well, then the Bible gets into it here and we talk again about what we call a love that is like glue that holds friendships together. It, it is a commitment. It's, it's the sunshine, if you will, that, that kills the germs of jealousy and bitterness. It's, it's that thing that gives, and, and it, the Bible says this kind of love covers a multitude of sins. It's beautiful. It, it is. It, it's hard, but it's beautiful. But, but that's not even the end of it all, and because when we get to chapter 15 here and we look at John, this is my commandment that you love one another was his love, which often in the Greek, you may have heard this before, but it's called an agape love which really is a God-sized love. It's a God-style love, which is really an unearned, undeserved, totally dedicated love to the, really what you're saying is, I am willing for the best that you could ever have, all the way to the point of inconvenience, discomfort, and chapter 15 and verse 13, greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. This kind of love is the kind that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the kind of love that Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, God commanded his, or he displayed his love toward us in that while we were what? Still sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died 
for us. I'm a recipient of that love. And here's where I would have to tell you, if you don't know Jesus today, you are a recipient of that love as well. You just haven't taken it yet. When will you? Because he provided it for you through the sacrifice of the cross, paid for everything so that you could have eternal life. All you need to do is say, Lord Jesus, I I see what you've done for me. And I receive that gift of grace, that gift of unearned love. And and, and I, I trust you. I trust you. Thank you for saving me. You can have that today if you don't. If you do, you know what I'm talking about. That's an amazing love. It's not so much a feeling. In fact, it's not concerned with uh, self at all. There's no expectations. It's not abstract. It's not just out there. I love you and I love hamburgers. God would not say that. I tried to think of this kind of love because it's not natural to humanity. Yeah, go ahead and say, oh yeah, that's me. And I hope it is, and I hope it is for me too, but I do have to admit I'm a fickle person. It's not natural to me. So how can I understand it? How can I show it? And the key is chapter 15. Abide. The vine, the branches, abide. Let his life and breath come through you and this kind of love will show up. What's a good illustration of that? I kind of walked around this week to think about it and it didn't take me long because there's a lady in the history, now she's dead, but she, uh, she was guilty, not really, She was taken to prison as a young teenager along with her sister and her family. Why? Because she and her family were hiding the Jewish people during the Holocaust in their house. The government found out about it. They invaded the house, took those people prisoner, put them in a a concentration camp where some of them died. Parents died. Her sister Betsy died. Her name, Corey Ten Boom. Maybe some of you have heard about her before. She wrote a great book. I recommend it to read. It's called The Hiding Place. And when I think about the process of how do I make agape love that Jesus said he commanded me to do right now, how do I make that work? And Corey Corey's testimony just jumped back out of me. Something that went after I read the book, this little excerpt just kind of rolls around in my head. If you don't mind, I'm going to read the excerpt for you from The Hiding Place. This is Corey Ten Boom after she had spoken at a church service uh, after things were, um, the, the war and so on. I quote her, it was at a church service in Munich that, that I saw him, a former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrook. Where was he? You can understand. Think about it. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, my sister Betsy's pain-blanched face, He came up to me as the church was emptying and he was beaming and bowing. He said, how grateful I am for your message, Fraulein. He said, to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away and his hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people in Blumendal, the need to forgive, I kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of my thoughts. I saw the sin of them. 
Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? And Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I prayed. I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. Now listen to this. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. And when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Wow. That's not abstract, folks. That's focused. That's abiding. I love her illustration because it's a branch that flows the life-giving reality right on out to the fruit of forgiveness, to the fruit for that gentleman who had a sordid past. Oh, for a focused love. This is my commandment. It is not optional. That you love one another. It is not abstract. Third, it is not exclusive or personal choice. Still in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another. One another. Many times when we think about love, we say, well, David, it's, it's not your business who I love. And it's not my business who you love. But it sure is God's business for the believer who you love if you're going to abide in him, isn't it? Because are you on the branch? Hmm? So it's no surprise that this focused love, this commanded love should extend branch to branch to branch to branch, right? It just makes sense in the abiding principle that all of these things continue to move to brother to brother, from sister to sister, from brother to sister, from young to old and older to younger, from color to color, from preference to preference. It's not exclusive. It says one another. As much as I would love to regulate that a little bit, as much as I don't care for some people, I know you're not like that. As much as some people sometimes just really get my crop and rip the microphone right off my ear, that's what they do. I find myself saying, God, do I need to love? And he says, yep. which hopefully would move to the next question, how? Dear folks, who are you asking God if you should love today? Who are you asking that you should have a real relationship action with today? Spirit of God putting somebody in your mind even right now for a real relationship I'm not saying some cutesy love thing. I'm talking about the love of God. God, you hear, do you hear God? He's saying, yep, yep. Which really takes us to the last thing, and then I would be done, and that is this. This real relationship or love is not optional. 
It is not abstract. It is not exclusive or personal choice. And lastly, it is not manufactured. It is not processed. Processed love, we kind of just talked about. How many of you here, kids, this might help you, okay? Wake up, man, I wanted to ask you something. How many of you guys like macaroni and cheese? Yeah. How many adults? Go ahead, go ahead. Mac and cheese? Craft? You know, I, I said craft in the early hour, and they said, I hate craft, Mac. But we like, you know, the, the real stuff. You like craft. See, 23 cents a box. Tell your parents that. When, you get the, when they get their stimulus package, do you know how many boxes they could get? <laughs> how many of you like tater tots? Say it. Yeah. Mmm. Little Debbie? <laughs> Come on now, really. Little Debbie's not that little. True? What do you call her? Big Deborah. Big Deborah? I'm Big Deborah, I guess, you know, from that whole thing. Okay, Leesburgites. Donut King. Amen, eh? How many of you have never been to Donut King? You are missing the kingdom. Apple fritters the size of life rafts. And listen, this is not a paid advertisement. If you don't believe me, go down there, take your Pepsi with you, and get you one of those. You can feed the world on one apple fritter. Well, I've actually eaten a whole one or two. Um, Not lately. How many of you love... Romaine lettuce and tangerines. Wow, not so many. (laughs) Natural food. Processed food, boy, the American diet, we're just full of it, aren't we? We eat a whole lot of processed food. You you, you never shop the outside aisles. You know, that's what they used to say. If you want to be healthy, shop the outside aisles of the grocery store. That's the right thing to do. Well, the grocery uh, industry's getting to this, and now they put the bakery on the, the, the outside. And, and they, they put all the fun stuff on the outside, the candies. And yeah, you know, they've learned. They hide the produce, you know, underneath this little thing. Anyway, processed food, we love it. My point here is that when we come to this whole idea of the love of God, it is not a processed love. It is... It is natural, it is real. He gives us two identifiers as we look in our text. The first one is the identifier of friendship. Friendship, if you look with me in the text, it says in verse number 14, you are my friends. Can you hear Jesus? You are my friends. If and or as you do, as I command you, that command those things are true. And you know, it, it goes on to say then, I don't call you servants. The servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends for everything that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You are my friends. Y'all are sitting, a lot of you are sitting next to some, somebody today. I'm guessing that they probably are your friend at one level or another. And uh, is there anybody sitting alone that they just so wish that someone would come and sit by them right now? You know, but, uh, but, but no, we have friends, right? And, and we trust them. There's this level of dignity. There's this level of submission uh, and, and adoration that we have for this person, respect. Uh, we listen to them. We, we commune with them. And all of these things together, they are important to us. And God says in the, in the abiding principle, this love that we're talking about, it ought to be like the love of friends. Uh, we who say, and I've said it before, and, and I, I'm, I'm humbled and sad to say it, but I sometimes say I only have a few good friends. And you may say that too, but the reality is that in the abiding principle, we ought to be moving forward and making a few more, amen? I mean, doesn't that happen? If, if we're going to be bearing fruit, that we ought to be getting a few more. And if you're not, you ought to just, just kind of give yourself a tune-up. Because real love is identified in this Jesus friendship that turns into a friendship that is mutual and not forced. And we're just, we're fresh. 
I love it. So thankful for this kind of love. You can't process it. You can't make it up. You can't open up the wrapper, pour it into some water, and stir it up and have immediate friendship, can you? It's not instant. It's something that abiding is about the biggest thing that can make it work. There's also the, uh, the identifier of being chosen. Verse 16 says, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And I have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. All of those terms are still in that whole present tense thing. You should be going. You should be bearing fruit. You should be watching, abiding. It's not a spurt. It's not permanent. But, but it is permanent. It's permanent growth. It's constant, constant, constant. So we get done. Why abiding love? Why should we do this? I think one of the main reasons why we do this, we've just been through a tough year, all of us. A year where it's just been so easy just simply to say we're not together. And, and that not being together, thank you for being here today, but, but I, I know how it has affected you and me and, and even some who still aren't, aren't they're afraid to, to be together. And, and there's a respect for that, but, but I, I'm angry with the whole situation from the standpoint only that it's tougher to abide. And when we do abide, we have a world that whether we have COVID or not, we have a world that's going to despise us because this kind of love is not what uh, the evil one wants. We're going to get plenty of hatred from the world. So doesn't it make complete sense that we need love? That we need the support of one another? You don't realize it, maybe, but there's people right here in this room right now that really need a word from you today. Maybe it's just to give you your name and say, thank you for coming, I don't know you. I'd like to. And I'm not saying we're, you got, before you leave today, you have to know everybody's name in the room, there's gonna be a quiz as you go out. No. But the process. It might mean Make peace with somebody. Do you, have, do you have differences with somebody today? How you doing with your marriage? Are there some differences that need to be taken care of today? And this isn't a marriage seminar. This is an abiding seminar. That's what we do. We're trees with branches and we're rubbing next to other branches and if you're married, one of the branches near you is your spouse. Let the life-giving flow of God flow into them. Or who else? Make peace with somebody. Solve a difference. Abide. This is my commandment that you love one another. Could it mean that you place your interests somewhere above your own? to someone above your own? You got plans this afternoon? Is it okay if God breaks them so that you could help in the interests of someone else? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I'm glad God doesn't say, be with you in five minutes, Dave. Doesn't work that way. It might mean here today that you could meet someone's need. It might be financially. I'm reminded when I say financially, the only reason I can say this is because I've been the recipient, on the recipient side of it, the blessing of being given to and giving. We were needy. We were on our way to uh, the Middle East and uh, just getting underway with how are we going to finance. We, we had to... Uh, have donors that would provide $6,000 a month for us, actually over 6000 Seemed like just such a huge mountain. And then knock came on the door of somebody that I had met casually years before that, and he'd heard about our ministry, and they came in and said, we received a gift for $500, and we didn't know what to do with it. And, and so we immediately... <laughs> 
we immediately said, Lord, you've given us this money, and I believe you've just given it to us basically to give to somebody else. And, and Dave, you and Susan dropped in our heads, and, and we're here to give you a check for $500. You know, there's supposedly some big money coming to us here soon. Do you really need it? Maybe you do, and that's fine. But you may find yourself one of those times as you say, I don't... You know, I don't really need this. Maybe God's giving it to you through the government so that you can give it to somebody else who has a need. And talk about abiding. That's an awesome thing. That's extravagant. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it is labor. Just go help somebody. Just go help somebody. Maybe it's a word. I think I've seen it at Heritage Community Church People walking around like this. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, we're, we're people that are, are, you know, we've got this new thing that's stuck to our ear. It's not so new. Uh, text somebody that you haven't talked to. Hey, listen, here's an idea. Our, our pastor's on vacation. Just text him and tell him you love him. Text him and tell him you're hoping he's having a great day. Our pastors. Share a word. Go beyond yourself. Come on. Let it stretch. Abide. Let the sap flow. Thank you, Lord God, for letting us consider your truth quite simple truth and yet when we kind of shove off sometimes so I'm hoping that this morning as we think of things that are not optional and things that are not abstract and things truly that are not exclusive we can't just determine who we're going to give it to and they're certainly not manufactured or processed it's the love of God natural God could we just simply be the branch that it lets it flow. Congregation, be intentional about your choices today. Jesus, thank you for loving us like you do. Amen.